0: now enter armbar audio hello and welcome to armbar audio you may be wondering what am i looking at well i ran a poll uh, a couple weeks ago asking what people wanted to hear more about from armbar audio and the U.S. independence won that poll by 37%, I believe. And I'm doing this show by myself called Inside the Indies, where I take some big shows uh, that people were really paying attention to and I review them. Now, Stardom in New Japan also got a lot of votes, and there was a vocalization through the comments about new Japan and stardom. So I'm also going to have a show called strong stylings. That will be next week where I'll talk about resurgence, the five-star grand prix and the junior, uh, heavyweight tag tournament. Now, will these be weekly bi-weekly, whatever? Um, that's up to my schedule. Uh, It's also up to Armbar Audio's collective schedule because in place of the regular Armbar Audio episode this week, you have this. So, consider it like a little teaser for what's to come. A lot has been going on this week uh, for Armbar Audio. I've had a lot of work. John has been he went to dynamite on wednesday he's going he's he's going to or he went to rampage on friday and it's just been one of those weeks but without any further ado let's get into the subjects at hand so i'm going to go in chronological order here and this, week, this past weekend had a lot of great indie shows. Uh, starting at 7.30 on Fight TV was A.A.W. Savages and Kings. The show started off with Isaiah Moore versus the Iron Demon Shane Mercer. Moore tried to use his quickness with two cross bodies and a shining wizard, but Mer- Mercer is too much. Mercer with a delayed one-handed gorilla press, a pop-up tour of the islands. He hit a powerbomb, held on, and finished with a moonsault fallaway slam for the win. And, can't lie, you know I watch a lot of GCW, so I was really pulling for Shane here. And uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with if AAW continues to book him. Which, they should. There's no reason why they shouldn't. The next match was the number 1 contender to the AAW Women's Championship, Christy Janes versus Sky Blue versus Jody Threat. Jody Threat was ferocious. Sky Blue had great strikes and crisp moves, and Janes was the X factor with athletic movements and unorthodox offense. I thought Sky Blue was really impressive. Sky beats on the Barriquas outside until they took control, but Jody helped out Blue. Jane then moonsaulted off the top onto all of them. Jody speared Janes, who had Sky Blue in a Samoan drop. Jody won with a spinning sit-out powerbomb. This was a really fun match, and all three women shined. Big fan of Jody for years, and I'm glad she won. The third match was the number one contender to the AAW Heritage Championship, which is held by Myron Reed. Ace Austin versus Hakeem Zayn, otherwise known as Rohit Raju on Impact, versus Davey Vega with Johnny Bravo, versus Frontman Ja C. Si. It's amazing to me how Johnny Bravo has moved from Impact referee to an on screen personality and now a pretty good heel manager. This was a blink-and-you-miss-it match. Momentum changed very quickly. Vega stomped Hakim Zane's face on the apron, then hit a tope con hero to everyone outside. There was a springboard head kick by Ace Austin to Davy Vega for two. A big neck breaker from Zane to Austin and Jaw C with a leg lariat to Zane. Vega lo- locks somewhat of a sharp shooter on Jaw C and Zane with a crossface to Jaw C and Ace Austin with a dragon sleeper on Vega. These guys are quick and agile and crisp. Jaw C in a tree of woe, German suplexes Ace Austin off the top. And then Vega comes down with a double stomp to Jossie, Zane with a jumping knee and a running knee on Vega, but Jossie breaks the pin. Ace Austin hits the fold on Jossie as Jossie was coming up from a flying forearm to Zane, and Austin wins. I can't wait to see Ace Austin and Myron Reed battle for the Heritage Championship at Destination Chicago during All Out weekend. Bravo says he's holding the show hostage until the decision is overturned. Russ Jones comes out, a guy who's been looking for a fight, just frothing at the mouth for some violence, and we get an impromptu match between Russ Jones and Mike Hartenbauer. There were heavy strikes by Russ followed by a T-bone suplex Hartenbauer chokes Russ on the ropes. A slump buster by Hartenbauer. Russ comes back with a German suplex and a running knee to the back of the head for the win. Nice quick hoss fight. Russ Jones got the look. I'll say that. AAW Women's Championship was next with AK-47 Allison K, pinkies up, against... Someone we haven't seen in quite a long time, Melanie Cruz. We find out the reason why we haven't seen Melanie Cruz in a long time is because she gave birth and took time off to be a mother. During this time, if you watched AEW, AEW, she had a shaved head. No, 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 not anymore. She has, eh, it's about down to here. Um, so Melanie, uh, let's see here. A lot of big throws by Mel and a lot of strikes by AK-47. Kay picked the knee and went for a knee bar, but Mel fought her off. Mel hit a huge, beautiful black hole slam for two. Allison K won by ref's decision because she relentlessly elbowed Mel in the side of the head. This was a good finish and a satisfactory match. AK don't play. Can't wait for Allison K and Jody Threat at Destination Chicago. That match is going to be nasty. Because Jody Threat has finally broken into the U.S. independence. Uh, she comes from Canada. And she has been on my radar for quite some time. And what I've seen from her lately and beyond and WWR Plus, I think, She's, uh, she's just really bringing it right now. And Allison Kay is probably the biggest female name on the independents that isn't signed to a bigger company at the moment. Um, so it's going to be a good match. Um, the next match was our hometown guy, Chef, against Jake something. And if you've never seen either of these guys... The only way you could tell them apart is that Shaf has shorter hair than Jake, and Jake has the word something across his ass. Otherwise, uh, you know, they look pretty much even. Like, they're built, they're tall, they've got beards, they're just two badasses. And this match was Badass. Uh, something immediately hit a spear into the corner and a powerbomb for two, but Shaft got up and hit his own powerbomb for two. Shaft hit a cannonball on the outside into the guardrail. Jake hit a back suplex onto the apron. There was a lot of brawling. At one point, they were hitting each other simultaneously with standing lariats. I thought I was watching a never-open-weight championship match, and then realized it wasn't New Japan. Schaff hit a DD 214 for two. Schaff missed a big swanton bomb, and Jake picked him up for a Death Valley driver for two. Jake hit a spear in the corner, then went for another, but Schaff caught his jaw with a knee. Schaff hit the DD 214 for the win. This match rolled. Schaff either wanted a handshake. Or to help Jake up, but something flipped him the bird, which makes me feel like things aren't over. And I'm happy if I'm correct because this match fucking ruled, like I said. And, you know, you can't go wrong with a Jake something match. And Chef, before the pandemic hit, Chef was killing it on AAW and Defy. And I was not completely aware. And for this being my first shaft match, I was pretty fucking impressed. Um, next, we had the AAW tag team title match of Infamy of Robin Steele and Joe Asa against Braden Lee and Jake Lander. Infamy attack right away with Bariqua brawling. Steele with a tope suicida to Lee. But Lander does the same with so much velocity, he looked like a torpedo that sent Steel and himself over the guardrail. Infamy have great te- tag chemistry, hitting a tossing neckbreaker on Lee. Lander is explosive, getting the hot tag and going wild. Lander hit a backpack cannonball on Steel. Lander hit a draping spinning neckbreaker on Steel, as Brayden Lee hit a coast-to-coast on Asa. Lander hoists both men of Infamy up, and Death Valley drove them. Brayden Lee followed with a shooting star press, but Ace <coughs> Asa made the save. Jumping one foot stomp by Asa to Lee, and Steel follows with a top rope moonsault double stomp to retain the titles. This was a really good match. Braden didn't get the shine like he normally does in GCW or JCW or hybrid. But Jake Lander was very impressive. His explosivity mixed with his strength is really a threat to any opponent. The next match was Larry D versus Colt Cabana. Larry D, over the course of maybe a year... Has really, really improved his physique. Going into this match, Colt Cabana said that he's not just a comedy wrestler. He could do high flying, he could do brawling, he can do technical, whatever Larry wants. This was kind of a breather match for me. It started with a brawl until Colt hit a head scissors to send Larry outside. It was like two bulls with shoulder blocks over and over and over until Larry put down Colt. There was a flying hip attack by Colt, a discus lariat by Larry for two, and Colt won with a moonsault. I'll say this. Chicago loves their hometown boy, Colt Cabana. There was lots of throwing in this match, a lot of rest holds. If you watch this show... You can probably skip this match unless you're a big Larry D or Colt Cabana fan. The next match was the main event, which was a pick-your-partner tag match. Eddie Kingston challenged Fred Yehi for a match for the AAW Heavyweight Championship. and Fred Yehai said, no, you must be in the back of the line and earn it because you've been gone you can't just come back and demand a title shot eddie that's not how this works so we got this which was really entertaining kingston challenge. uh i already said that shit Yehai's partner is stallion rogers formerly known as kurt stallion who was a may- aaw mainstay before going to wwe Matt Fitchett is Kingston's partner. AAW loves Kingston, who came out wearing this sick purple rain tank top, and he was adorned in streamers by those in attendance. The match broke down quick with all fighting outside into the crowd. Yehai threw Kingston into chairs and used one to choke him. Yehai and Stallion beat on Kingston until Fitchett hit a tope con hero. Fitchett went wild. ...on Yehai until Yehi dodged a cross broadie from the top and locked in a Koji clutch. Stallion hit a double stomp and then a DDT, but Kingston came in and everything broke down again. Kingston hit a falcon arrow on on Stallion, but Yehi broke the pin. Slaps, chops, and back fists fly. Fitch had hit the gunslinger Rana, but Stallion recovered quick and hit a Death Valley driver. A Bushido knee strike followed by a brain buster gave Fitchett the pin over Stallion Rogers. After the match, Eddie got on the mic and pointed at Stallion and told everyone if they made fun of Stallion for getting fired, they deserved to get in a car accident. No one there could do what they do. Eddie shakes Stallion's hand and embraces him and tells him that he will be okay. Stallion and Fitchett go head-to-head, But Kingston made them shake just for one night. Eddie got emotional and said in October it will be 20 years since he started his pro wrestling journey. When the pandemic came, he thought he was going to have to live with his mom and go back to either iron or steel work. He challenged Cody Rhodes and Cody accepted and that's why he continues to live his dream of wrestling in front of everyone. He said that he should have been dead at 17, but he never stopped fighting for his dream. He said AEW treats him well, but AAW treated him well first. Eddie put the promotion in the locker room over by name and says he wants to come back. He better come back. I swear to God, there are only two or three people in the mic game on Kingston's level. Um every everything on bt everything on aw every every backstage or off show clip i see on the internet it's just the guy's passion is undeniable and you don't have to like his in ring ability or how he does his work in the ropes you cannot deny the man on the microphone now, I, I personally like him in the ring, but I've, I've seen criticism. Um, overall, I also I, I want to see Kingston back because I want to see him against Yehai. I also want to see Fitchett against Yehai. I want to see Stallion Rogers against Matt Fitchett. Overall, this was a very entertaining show, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. AAW has the best videography, cinematography, production whatever on the indies bar none no one's touching it like the cameras are perfect the 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 sound is perfect everything that i'm viewing and i'm hearing is clear uh, and and they hardly ever miss anything it's just really good stuff on on a like just as a viewer um I give Savages and Kings a 7.5 out of 10. Now I will take a drink of water. The next show we will talk about is Violence and Sufferings Party All the Time. This show started off with the Lucky 13 Open Challenge, which was accepted by Big Vin. Vin used his size to thwart 13's offensive attempts until Thirteen connected with a Rana that sent Vin outside. Most of this match, is Vin was Vin throwing 13's offense to the ground. Vin did an axe kick. It wasn't pretty, but it was still impressive. Because, if you couldn't tell by his name, he's big. Vin went for old school, but Thirteen kicked the rope. Vin with a moonsault fall-away slam from the apron into the ring. Thirteen flipped out of a chokeslam, but got hit by a lariat, and then chokeslammed for two. Lucky Thirteen is all about the head scissors. If I had to count how many head scissors he did or attempted in this match, we'd be here for days. Thirteen ultimately won with a poison run. Thirteen reminded me of someone else on this show, Matt Cross, Big fucking Vin wore a shirt with his name like the old ECW shirts, and it was fitting because when I first saw him, I thought that dude looks like Balls Mahoney. Uh but yeah, it was a good opener, you know. Like it's not a skippable match, but it's not like, whoa, I gotta see that match. You know what I mean? It was good for what it was. We then get a vignette. Where Dr. Cube and Gabriel Sky are uh, out in the desert or something, and Sky is taped to a steel chair while Dr. Cube talks to him and says all this shit. And as soon as Cube is done threatening Sky and leaves, Sky seamlessly ripped the tape off and is fine. This was really goofy. Like, made no goddamn sense to me. Which leads us to the no-rules match between Gabriel Sky and Dr. Cube. Now, I've seen Gabriel Sky against his mentor, Grim Reefer, who we'll also talk about on this show. Not this particular show, but this show. Um, And this match... uh, I'll just tell you about it. Gabriel Sky's theme is How Soon Is Now By The Cure... I fucking loved it. Uh, Dr. Cube is from Kaiju Big Battle, and his cube head is awesome. But he comes to the ring with people in scrubs with like mankind or abyss type masks. They form a wall around Cube. Without the cube headpiece, Dr. Cube wears like a burn victim mask that covers the entire face and neck. Uh, Gabe fought off the creeps easily. And he hit a tope con hero onto them. Uh, the freaks lay Sky on four upright chairs, and Cube puts a garbage can on himself and goes for a splash. But Sky moves. Sky hit a frog splash onto the garbage can. Cube, the garbage can. Cube. More freaks come down and just mug Sky, and hit a double power bomb and a package pal driver sky escapes again and goes to a balcony or on top to of some structure you can't see what happened because it was dark i guess sky pushed cube off off the structure as cube was caught by the freaks and then sky splashed onto everyone sky throws chairs at cube's skull but cube won't go down cube spits mist then kicks sky in the crotch Cube DVDs Sky through a door, but Sky kicks out at two. Cube hit a chair assisted cannonball for two. Sky introduced a ladder. Sky power slams Cube onto an open back of the chair that looked brutal. Sky set Cube in the corner with a chair in front of his face and hit a Van Daminator off the ladder for two. Sky hits an acai moonsault into the Freaks. Four wrestlers come down and beat down the Freaks, but Sky tells them to go to the back after they do their thing. Big Kallax and Argus come in and attack Sky. Cube grabs a mic, but you can't hear what he's saying. Cube hits a spinning elbow to the back of Sky's head, then a German and a pumping bomber for the win. The production was a big step down from VXS's previous show, Marsh Pit Killers. Aside from a couple cool spots, this match was dog shit because I didn't understand the bad blood and the production was less than desirable. All you can clearly and fully hear is commentary and they never told you why these guys hated each other so much. They kept saying there's bad blood and this is a blood feud and this and that. And the whole time I'm saying, well, why? Why? Because guess what? You can't hear any of the promos in the ring. After the match, Sky gets on the mic, but viewers have no idea what the fuck he's saying. Someone comes down to calm Sky down. I guess his name is Dominic De Niro. But Sky beats the shit out of him with a chair and then concertoed him. Sky's turning heel, I guess. Sky kicks someone else in the skull on his way out. I honestly can hardly comprehend what I saw. Uh, it was just like, at this point, I, I was texting John and I was like, I don't even know if I want to continue watching this. But... I had faith, and the show picked up right after. The next match was Matt Cross versus Dylan McKay versus Marcus Mathers. Mathers leapfrogged Cross and Cross suicide dived onto Dylan. Dylan hit a Flawsberry flop onto his opponents and rolled Cross in for two. Mathers and Dylan hit Chase the Dragon on Cross, but both stop each other's pin attempts. If I was Impact Wrestling, I'd be looking at Marcus Mathers and in Dylan McKay. McKay does this cool falling suplex into the turnbuckle to Mathers. Cross hits a flat flatline DDT combo for two. Mathers hit a variation of a flatliner on McKay, cross comes off, the top with a shooting star press to Mathers for the win. This was an enjoyable match. Fast, hard-hitting, some cool spots. Cleansed my palate from the previous monstrosity. We then got a Nick Gage vignette, which was full of fucks and mentions of death. Gage is apparently coming back to violence and suffering. The next match was a pure rules match. With Kevin Blackwood against Homicide. And if you watch Independent Wrestling or AEW Dark or Dark Elevation, you know who Kevin Blackwood is. And if you don't know who Homicide is, I don't know why you're watching this. Blackwood comes out in an old-school Slipknot basketball jersey in homage to Joey Jordison, which I fucking loved. A lot of feeling out until Blackwood locks onto Homicide's arm. Blackwood used a closed fist and he got a warning. Homicide dumped Blackwood off the top and goes for a chair shot, but Blackwood stopped it. Blackwood wins with a senton off the top. Blackwood was very impressive, but Homicide didn't seem to hit a stride at all. Blackwood grabs the mic, but TJ Crawford comes out and challenges Blackwood, who seems to accept. We then get... The match before the intermission between Impacts' Rich Swan and AEW's Brian Cage. Rich started off trying to use his speed to confuse Cage. There was a Rana and two drop kicks that send sended Cage to the outside. Cage comes back in with a major clothesline. Cage caught Swan from the top and curls him before the fallaway slam. Swan hit a rolling DDT. Outside in suplex by Cage, followed by a power bomb and a buckle bomb. Big spinning lariat, followed by Weapon X ends the match. As two of the bigger names on this show, it felt like they phoned it in. If this match happened in their respective companies, or PWG, or maybe even GCW, it would have probably felt different. I was, was kind of disappointed in these guys, honestly. Um. Then we got the intermission. When we come back from intermission, the sound wasn't was still not good, but they didn't I think they knew that and they didn't do any more in-ring promos really. And they fixed the lighting or they told they fixed the lighting and I think they told wrestlers to try and keep it by ringside. Um we got Anthony Green Back on the independent scene, against one of my favorite female independent wrestlers, Masha Slamovich, there was a nice butterfly suplex through the ropes by Green. This sh- uh, yep, Masha slid through his legs and kicked up into his face. Then hit a haluva kick and a German suplex. Green has some really cool offense, and Masha brought the strikes. Massive avalanche powerbomb by Green, but Masha kicked out. Masha wins with the Russian deathlock respect is shown after the match both of them impressed me they had really good chemistry especially since this was pretty much my first taste of Anthony Green I did see him I believe on a beyond American Rana but aside from that I don't really remember I know he was like retro sexual and um he had like two chicks with him and i believe they were uh one was heather monroe i believe um so next we got the uh the main event two cold scorpio against willie mac There was a handshake, and Mac bowed before the lockup. Scorpio worked the arm, but Mac kept countering with his agility. Unlike the other two big names on the card, these two seemed like they cared. They go outside, and there's chair play, but it was really dark. I did see Mac put a chair on Scorpio's back and slam him. Back in the ring, and Mac hits a forearm off the top for two... Scorpio was very cold in this match, hitting Mac in the balls three times. Scorpio with a front flip leg drop for two. He then goes to the second rope and hits a front flip leg drop again for two. Short Vader bomb by Scorpio. Slingshot twisting splash by Scorpio. Scorpio takes his time throughout the match, but he fires it up when he has to. He's a 36 year veteran and he is 55 years old. Huge moonsault off the top for two by Scorpio. Mac with a big senton on in the corner for two. Scorpio goes for a head kick, but Mac ducks and hits a Samoan drop and a standing moonsault for two. Scorp brings a chair in and runs it into Mac's face, then hits a long distance leg drop off the top to the, lap, the chair off Mac's head for two. Mac hits a stunner and hits the six-star frog splash for the win. They shake hands and embrace and raise each other's arms in mutual respect. After Scorpio heads to the back, Cage comes out and wants a match or a tag team formed with Willie Mac, and they dap each other on it. The next violence and suffering show is Saturday, September 30th, and it's called Machiavelli after Tupac. And it's happening in Los Angeles. Now folks, if you're still with me, thank you. Uh, there are two more shows to go through. And I will try to go through them as fast as possible. But let's give the overall thoughts of VXS. Party all the time. The show was fun and entertaining, especially the triple threat and the last two matches. The show suffered from... what one- some commentary mistakes, like not explaining past history between Dr. Cube and Gabriel Sky, The production left more to be desired. You could hear the commentary and the music somewhat, but when it came to Joel Gertner an- announcing or promos in the ring, it was faint. There needed to be more lights out in the crowd because most of the time when wrestlers went farther than the ringside, you couldn't make out what was happening. That said, I was very impressed by Mathers. McKay, Slamovich, and Green. Matt Cross brought it. Blackwood carried Homicide, it felt like. Mac brought it. Too Cold Scorpio can still go. And Vin in 13 was a good opener. Overall, I give it a... A very generous 6.5 out of 10. Capping off the night... And if you were on the East Coast, it started at 11 p.m. GCW, no signal in the hills. The show started off with a 10-bell salute for Bobby Eaton, which I thought was awesome because this promotion comes under fire by Bobby Eaton's former manager, Jim Cornette, for not being real wrestling. And here they are, paying tribute to the fallen legend. The first match was A.J. Gray, a.k.a. The Truth, a.k.a. Black Death, against Tiger Style and Pittsburgh native Lee Moriarty. He's too fucking roll. Good chain wrestling to start until Gray hits a nasty chop block and a capo kick. Nice lucha-style arm drag by Moriarty. A.J. tweaks his knee early on. And Moriarty smells blood in the water. After a knee buster, Moriarty locked in a reverse Indian death lock. After a Urinagi, Gray goes to the top, but his leg went out, and he fell to the outside. Moriarty hits a penalty kick for two, but immediately locks in an ankle lock. But Gray kicks him off and hits two of the best lariats in wrestling and gets the win. This was a great opener. When I watched it live, I was like, how the fuck are they going to top this? Well, they did, and they continued to. The second match was Jimmy Lloyd versus ASF. Lloyd got taken from the scramble to replace Tony Deppen, who had flight issues. ASF impressed me on Fight Club Houston, and he impressed everyone I watched with on this show. These two tore it up. ASF may be the fastest wrestler I've seen in a long time. He should get endorsed by recently retired Dragon Gate legend Masato Yoshino. ASF hit a fantastic looking lucha arm drag where he front flipped his legs off the top rope. And then he hit a tope cannonball through the second rope. ASF goes for a springboard poison rana, but Lloyd stops it. And slams ASF for the snake eyes. ASF moonsaults off the second rope to get behind Lloyd and hits German suplex. Lloyd countered a slice bread number two on the apron into a fucking tombstone pile driver. Lloyd hit the generico turnbuckle brain buster and a flipping DDT. ASF with a t- top rope, Rana and a 450 for two. Jimmy Lloyd won with a crazy transition from a tilt-a-whirl attempt into a sit-out pile driver. Now I'm thinking how they top this. Well, the third match of this card was my match of the night. I know it was John's match of the night. But, you know, you can argue for many of these matches. We got the rematch from Zombie Walk... Chris Dickinson against Starboy Charlie. All throughout the match, Charlie targeted Dickinson's arm. <coughs> Dickinson was hitting Charlie hard with strikes and power moves. Starboy hit a tope con her and landed on his feet on two separate chairs. It was fucking crazy. Uh, Charlie used his agility and speed. Dickinson hit a gnarly apron brain buster to Starboy Charlie. Dickinson went for a super Pazuzu bomb, but Charlie countered with a Rana. But Dickinson popped up and hit a brainbuster. The end came when Dickinson went for a running Death Valley driver, but Charlie locked his legs around one of Dickinson's arms and torqued Dickinson's other arm. Dickinson fell to the ground, and Charlie was relentless, and Dickinson tapped. The place erupted. Afterward Dickinson on his knees bowed to the mat to Charlie. After the match Dickinson tweeted that respect is earned and that Charlie is one of the best he's been in the ring with and he can't wait to see Starboy Charlie's rise. And I agree I can't wait to see it either The next match was the match that I was most looking forward to If you've been watching GCW recently, these two names stand out. Ninja Mac. Ninja Fuck Mac against end-seeker Dante Leone. It did not disappoint. These two are the new Alex Zane and Blake Christian. Mac sprung off the ropes, did like three or four backflips into a moonsault to the outside. Ninja Mac went for a Phoenix 630, and Leon caught it into a power bomb. Ninja Mac went to the top of the wall on like a landing and did a moonsault into the crowd. Ninja Mac went for a reverse Spanish fly off the top, but Leon reversed it into an end seeker cutter, but Ninja Mac reversed that into a fucking choke. I mean, these two were all over the place. The end came when Ninja Mac rolled up Leone, which just felt right because they did and kicked out of fucking everything. I mean, go on Twitter and put in hashtag GCW No Signal. You'll see countless gifs or gifs of this match. The next match was the GCW Tag Team Championship match of SGC, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice defending against Bussy, of Alley Catch and also Second Gear Crew member Effie. Effie kisses Matthew Justice to get into his head, but Matthew Justice laid his lips on Effie. Then it looked like Warner... And Allie were going to, but Allie said, no, we ain't doing that here. Uh, and then it turns it into a brawl. At one point, Allie Catch had Justice in the ropes and cut him with a fucking knife. Justice hit coast to coast on her. Bussy hit the two gay power trip on Mance and Justice, which was a stunner and a pedigree like the two man power trip. Mance launched Justice off the top through two doors draped over chairs onto Bussy. But Bussy moved. The match is what you'd expect from all four. Fun, chaotic, and hardcore. SGC retained with a chair shot doomsday device. The next match was a six-way scramble between... Grim Reefer, Jack Cartwheel, Eli Everfly, Lil' Cholo, Nick, Nick Wayne, and Midas Creed. Midas Creed filled Jimmy Lloyd's spot. <clears throat> Nick Wayne is a third-generation wrestler and is only 16, and he showed out. He had a Poison Rana and then a second rope cutter on Eli Everfly. Midas hit a 450 on Jack, then a senton onto Nick. Eli Everfly hit a cutter from the inside and over the rope onto everyone on the outside to l- with little Cholo, not little, 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 <laughs> Jack Cartwheel did a cartwheel splash off the top to everyone outside. Jack and Nick hit the ropes multiple times with leapfrogs and lucha dodging until they both did like a Fosbury flop onto everyone on each side of the ring. East Coast Indie OG Grim Reefer whose first time performing on the West Coast was this match won with a top rope sidewalk slam on Midas. The crowd was going nuts. This was a spot fest and that's fine because that's how I like my wrestling scrambled. The next match was Big Breakfast Jordan Oliver against Treehouse Lee. Treehouse Hit Oliver with a tope suicida during Oliver's entrance. Oliver went to for a tope suicida, but Treehouse threw a chair into his head. Treehouse set Oliver into a chair, sat him in a chair, and locked in a triangle, but Oliver breaks it with a slam onto the chair. Oliver hit a Cleopatra from the apron for two with height and grace. Treehouse Lee hit an amazing spinning leg drop from the top. Treehouse loves to jump and spin, as he does again from the apron and connected with an Arana. Oliver put Treehouse away after countering a dive attempt with a cutter and followed with the clout cutter. The penultimate match was Joey Janela and Marco's stunt against 4-4-0 of Ricky Shane Page in that piece of shit atticus kogar rsp sent stunt flying with an f-1000 i mean this was if you watched the last wwr plus match uh show uh, he did something similar to kennedy copeland janela hit kogar with the top rope moonsault and tagged in marco who hit a flying splash onto kogar for two stunt jumped over janela and Kogar on the apron to R.S.P. on the outside, and then Janela hit an apron Death Valley Driver on Kogar. In the crowd, R.S.P. found higher ground and launched Marco onto Janela. Janela hit a Spanish fly off the top. Kogar set up Janela on a door, and R.S.P. Superplex stunt through the door, but Janela kicks out. 440 put skewers in the Janella and Marco's skulls and then RSP hit a choke breaker on stunt while Kogar hit a front DDT like Moxley's old finisher uh, and both pin and win which LA was upset I was upset the people in the room I was with were upset fuck Ohio fuck 440 and fuck Atticus Kogar, especially. The main event was a death match between the king, Nick fucking Gage, and Hood Slam's 22 year veteran, I believe, Dark Sheik. People were crazy during both entrances. Light tubes and barbed wire boards adorned the ring. Dark Sheik with a submission, but Gage threw her into one of the barbed wire boards. Gage staples Sheik's hair to the mat, and then he falls with the board onto her. Sheik hit a huge crossbody to the outside. Gage smashed light tubes over, over Sheik's back. Gage set up a barbed wire board on four chairs on the outside. Fall away slam off the top through the barbed wire table. Big spine buster by Gage. Gage smashes light tubes over Sheik's head. Gage starts using a broken light tube to Sheik's forehead and then bites her forehead. Gage then uses the pizza cutter on the wound. All the fans, meanwhile, are taking videos and pictures. Dark Sheik does a split and staples Gage's dick a few times. Sheik hits a driver of some sort for two and then curb stomps Gage's head into a bunch of light tubes. More light tubes to Gage's skull, and she goes for the pin, but only got a two count. Gage kicks a bunch of tubes into Sheik's face. Falcon arrow for two by Gage. They trade blows until Gage hits a DDT for two. Sheik hits a wheel wheel kick from the top rope, which looked sick as fuck. She then hit a big leg drop from the top for two. Chokebreaker, two pile drivers, and a power bomb in succession puts Sheik away. This was a bloody battle that the crowd loved. Sheik goes to leave the ring, but Gage takes her by the arm and brings her back and raises her arm, and he leaves the ring. Since I started watching GCW regularly around March of last year, this was their best show in my opinion. Overall, No Signal in the Hills gets a 10 out of 10 from me. On to the final show I will be talking about. And don't worry, future episodes of this and Strong Stylings will not have this many things to cover. I just shoot for the moon as soon as I get an idea. IWTV100. The first match, the first three matches I didn't really get to see, aside from some of the third match. Um, The first match was an IWTV independent wrestling title, number one contendership ladder match, world wrestling title, actually. Because earlier that day, PWI recognized Trisha Dora's championship, which is Pan something, uh, you could look it up and the IWTV title as World Championships. Um, This match had all the youngsters from H2O Wrestling. Uh, Steve Sanders versus Austin Luke versus Gigi Everson versus Reed Walker versus Ryan Redfield versus a name we've talked about, Marcus Mathers, and Marcus Mathers won. We then got Kevin Blackwood, who we talked about, against Eric Martin. Eric Martin or Eric Ryan. I don't remember, but Eric won. Eric won. The next match was Hallow Wicked, Jigsaw, and Ultramantis against Rally of Alexander James, Logan Easton LaRue, and Richard Holiday. Rally won, but the standouts from what I saw were Richard Holiday, Jigsaw, and Ultramantis. Here we go now. The next match was Kevin Koo, Against Matt Mikowski. And I've seen Kevin Koo in a tag team. Never seen him in a singles wrestler. Matt Mikowski, I've heard a lot about. Never saw him. Boy was I in for a fucking treat. Mikowski hit a superplex, held on, and Koo turned it into a fisherman buster. The end came when Koo hit the ropes too many times for a penalty kick. And Mikowski got up and used the momentum to toss Koo up into the air, and land into an arm extension submission. These guys are stiff and brutal. Strikes and submissions in perpetual motion. It was just beautiful. Uh, I wasn't going to write out everything that they did because everything that they did was worthy of mentioning. And I'm not going to dictate a whole match to you. But if you have IWTV or other means... Watch this fucking match. The next match was Adam Priest against Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, that Jonathan Gresham. Priest turned down the handshake. Priest locked a headlock on. Gresham back suplexed, but Priest hung on. The crowd chanted, tear his limbs off. Priest chopped the life out of Gresham in the corner. Coming off the ropes, Priest tripped. Gresham, and Gresham grabs his left knee and sells for a while. Priest with the dragon screw. Gresham flipped out of a suplex, but his leg is too hurt, and Priest locks on a figure four. Gresham goes after the arm. Priest does a slam, but Gresham keeps it locked until Priest uses the rope to push Gresham off. Priest hits a German pin, German suplex pin but Gresham grabs the arm and turns it into a cross face. Gresham, using a lot of leverage to change the match, each block arm drag attempts until both go over the ropes to the floor. Priest slams the knee off a chair and locks in a figure four again on the outside, breaks it five and goes back into the ring. Gresham gets in, Priest hit, hit him with a loaded arm, Ref counts three, but the announcer says Gresham's foot was under the rope. The match restarts and Gresham wins with a roll-up. This was an awesome match. Gresham may be the best pound-for-pound wrestler in the world. Adam Priest has a lot of potential. Great heel work. New one to switch it up. Just good stuff. Then we got the mixed tag match that was not intergender roles. To a lot of people's dislike, Chris Statlander and George Cassidy, who got a lot of work in IWTV promotions like Beyond, before going to AEW, against two of the independents' biggest names right now, Trish Adora and Lee Moriarty. Statlander shows off her leg strength and flexibility, getting out of a grounded head scissors. After many tries, Chris boops Adora. Lots of pin combos and attempts between the women. Moriarty stops the hands in pockets with arm wrenches and fold Nelsons. After all the chain wrestling to stop the hands in pockets, Cassidy gets it and starts revving his movements up. Nice double-team swinging neck-breaker powerbomb by Moriarty and Adora for two. Moriarty keeps trying to double-stomp Orange Cassidy, but Orange Cassidy just rolls and rolls and rolls. Statlander with a delayed vertical suplex to Moriarty, and OC comes off the top with a lazy diving headbutt but misses. Chris with a lariat to Moriarty as Adora dodged. Then Adora comes back and lariat Tubman's Chris Statlander. Orange Cassidy with leg kicks to Adora, who just is like, whatever. Adora with a nice fireman's carry roll-through slam for two. Big axe kick by for two by Chris. Orange Cassidy with a Michinoku driver for two. Moriarty focused in on OC's arm. OC turns a mass mouse trap attempt into his own for the win. Great pacing, highly entertaining showcased each wrestler's individuality and their tag chemistry. These four are true professional wrestlers. They're they're just it was professional. It was is what you would want. The penultimate match was John Wayne Murdoch, the Duke of Hardcore against the longest reigning IWTV champion Warhorse. On the outside, a fan held up a chair and Murdoch sent Warhorse headfirst into it and then into the post. Mur- Murdoch made a huge mistake hitting Warhorse's head off the turnbuckle, which fired up Warhorse and he started to come back hitting a missile drop kick. before Murdoch stopped the offense. Two big lariats from Warhorse only give him a near fall. Warhorse hit a tope con hero. Warhorse attempted a double stomp to double stomp Murdoch's head onto a door but Murdoch went up and hit a superplex through the door for 2 Murdoch grabs a bucket and pours tax all over himself and the ring Murdoch hits Warhorse with the door but Warhorse responds with a butterfly brainbuster onto the tax Warhorse hits a diving elbow for 2 and Murdoch floats over with a koji clutch now, if you've never seen John Wayne Murdoch, he is a big burly southern dude. I would not want to get into a Koji clutch by him. Murdoch hits a deep South destroyer off the top and into the tax for the win. The match really showed that the Duke of Hardcore can wrestle and Warhorse can go against anyone. This was a very entertaining match. And finally, if you haven't heard about it, then you're not listening to the right people. The main event was the IWTV Independent World Champion, Wheeler Yuta, putting the title on the line against Red Death Daniel Garcia. Logan East LaRue came out with Yuta, and Kevin Blackwood came out with Daniel Garcia. Daniel Ga- Daniel Garcia holds three titles, C4, Limitless, and the Empire State Championship. And if he wins this world title, he has claimed to be a Triple Crown winner. After a bit of feeling out, Garcia hit a pal driver for two, and Yuta rolls out. Yuta sells his shoulder outside, Slides in and Garcia stomps the shoulders like a shark to an open wound. Yuta turns a body scissors into a Liger stretch, but Garcia turns it around and uses the Liger stretch and then uses his one leg to kick Yuta as well. Garcia locks in a Regal lock and turns it into a pin for a near fall. Garcia with a dragon sleeper, but Yuta reverses. And then... Garcia reverses into a head-scissor submission. A lot of groundwork. Garcia switching submissions like his name is Zack Sabre Jr. Many headlock takeovers by Garcia. Long and grueling headlock by Garcia, similar to Bob Backlund. Yuta turns the tide with a backdrop driver. Yuta targets the arm. Garcia dodges a stomp to the elbow, but can't execute an Irish whip and Yuta goes back to attacking the arm. Fantastic STF version by Garcia, but Yuta turns and slaps Garcia in the face. Garcia throws Yuta head over heels into the corners and hits a shotgun dropkick and stomps Yuta until Yuta takes a powder. Hammer strikes to Yuta's ear, and at 18, Garcia breaks the count. Shotgun dropkick to the side of Yuta's head for two, Yuta sends Garcia into the corner, arm first two times. Belly-to-back suplex off the top by Garcia. Crowd chants, new champ, as both men are down and the ref counts counts to nine. The war continues. Falcon arrow into a submission, but Yuta stands and drives back into the turnbuckle. Announcer says ten minutes remain. This is a 60-minute time limit match. Strikes from both back and forth. Garcia locks in a choke, but to no avail. Splash off the top by Yuta, but Garcia goes for a roll-up, but it's only a two. Garcia countered a gut buster into a sharpshooter. Yuta goes for the rope, but Garcia kicks repeatedly. Eventually, Yuta gets the rope. Two minutes remain, and Yuta stopped elbows and turned it turned it into a leg submission, like Rhea Ripley's leg submission. And um, Garcia turned it around into a tombstone, and Yuta kicked out. Garcia pounds on Yuta and locks in a leg submission. One minute remains. Garcia traps the arm in a choke with the leg submission. Yuta taps, but is it one or after one? The match is a draw. Yuta retains. Holy flying fuck. Mathers got the briefcase. Mathers hands the briefcase over, but but before the bell rings, a very good professional wrestler comes in and DDTs Mathers. He grabs a mic and says sorry to Mathers and he will be a star in the future, but this is his time. Then he tells Uda he's worked too hard for too long not to be champion. He says he's next and challenges Uda. Matt Mikowski, Trisha Dora, and John Wayne Murdoch come out. Murdoch tells a very good professional wrestler to shut up and praises Uda's performance. Murdoch says he's bled all over the states for this business and he's not just a deathmatch wrestler and stakes his claim to the title. IWTV 100 was a hell of a show with a variety of matches. Names new and not so new on the indie scene came together to celebrate and put on an A-plus show. The standout match was the main event. Hell, that, that's a match of the year candidate. But everything was good, especially Kevin Koo versus Mikowski, the mixed tag, and Murdoch vs. Warhorse. The show gets a 9.5 out of 10... From me it would be 10 if it was at a bigger and better lit venue now thank you for being here with me throughout this whole show um, this was inside the indies with Tim Farley hopefully you enjoyed it if you have any feedback you can leave it in the comments of the video Remember to like, share, and subscribe through YouTube. Same with podcasts. We're going to put this one as a podcast, but from here on out, inside the indies, strong stylings, and what John is thinking about doing will all be YouTube only because we want that YouTube money. So help us out. So, wherever you are in the world, whether it is morning, noon, or night, you have a great one. Peace and love to all of you. Bang!